0: Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Jess is on a plane today. He'll be back tomorrow. I have my guardian angel working with me. And today's topic is going to be an interesting one. Cardinal McElroy commits the most serious and dangerous error. That's not Terry Barber. It's Archbishop Joseph Newham Newham uh, from Kansas City, Missouri, And he uh, has some comments, others like... Uh, Other bishops have also said the same thing, and I just think it's important that we call them out because truth is more important than respect, in my opinion. So we have to, in charity, call these men out because they're disrupting people's faith by not teaching the truth. All right, I got a couple good news stories. Uh, The Bishop of Richmond publishes a statement condemning the FBI for targeting traditional Catholics. We were waiting for that, okay? Also, uh, I, this is news that I tell people. The the bishop up in Nicaragua has been sentenced to 15 years in prison by a communist, Ortega, who runs the country in Nicaragua. He threw out a bunch of Catholics, but the bishop says, I'm staying with my flock, and if I have to be persecuted by the communists, so be it. It's not the first time someone has. So God bless him for his tenacity. Also, Cardinal Mueller one of my favorite cardinals, he says the German synodal sect has replaced the Catholic faith with LGBT theology. You know, I said this off the air, but I'm going to say it now on the air because of what the cardinal said. I really wonder if those bishops in, in Germany are worshiping the same God that we do in the Catholic faith because from what they're saying, it's just totally way off on what the church's teachings are. All right, I want to get uh, also uh, to the good news. Uh, We call it soul food. I'm going to be taking our commentary from the Navarre Bible. Uh, That's where Jesse gets a lot of his stuff too from, and from Scott Hahn's Bible that he has commentary on. So let's read from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verse 14 to 21. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. Jesus enjoined them, said, Watch out, guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They concluded among themselves that it was because they had no bread. When he became aware of this, he said to them, Why do you conclude that it is because you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or comprehend? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and not see, ears and not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many wicker baskets full of fragments you picked up? They answered him, 12. Well, I broke the seven loaves for 4,000. Do you remember that? How many total baskets of fragments did you pick up? They answered him, seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? Wow, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, here's what the Navarre Bible has to give us. It says that the disciples failed to understand. That's for sure. They weren't educated. They weren't very bright. That's true. God uses the weak to confound the strong. If we judge from their reaction to the supernatural things, finding even the most elementary examples, and comparisons beyond their reach, they would turn to the Master and ask, Explain the parable to us. When Jesus used the image of the leaven of the Pharisees, they think that he is reproaching them, not for having purchased bread. These were the disciples called by our Lord. Such stuff is what Christ chose. And they remain like that until they are filled with the Holy Spirit thus becoming pillars of the church. They are ordinary people, like us, full of defects and shortcomings, more eager to say than to do. Oh boy, well said. Nevertheless, Jesus Christ calls them to be fishers of men, co-redeemers, dispensers of the grace of God. The same thing happens to us, everyone. Although we may not be gifted, that's for sure, the Lord calls us, and the love of God and the docility of his words will cause to grow in our souls unsuspected fruit of holiness and supernatural effectiveness. You know what I say about that? I believe that happens because it shows that uh, if people were really talented, you'd say, oh, that was that guy. He's so talented. But when you see a Hoy Joe Sixpack doing some great things for the church, then you see it's not, it's not him. It's God working him. I, I say that without just false humility. It's the truth. I'm, no, I'm a nobody telling you about somebody. I don't have PhDs in anything. I'm a, a a Catholic who loves the Lord. I've studied the faith since I was 14 years old. I'm still studying it, and I want to share it with everyone. And it shows God's grace in my life because of the souls that we've been touched, that have been touched through the work that we've been doing. It has nothing to do with me. I just said yes. All right. Let's, uh, oh, I wanted to mention also, this is a, a feast day that I, I think is important for us to reflect on, and the reason I say we should reflect on it is because of what's in the different parts of the world, certain feast days have more of an emphasis, and St. Cyril, Monk, and, and the Methodius Bishop, they were brothers who evangelized, uh, you know, uh, Bohemia, Bulgaria. Uh, you know, he was consecrated bishop by Pope Adrian II. St. John Paul II proclaimed the brothers the patron of Europe, along with St. Benedict. So I would say let's ask them to pray, especially for Europe, which is in the midst of a war right now in the Ukraine with Russia. So I would say St. Cyril and St. Methodius pray for us. All right, let's bring the smartest guy into the room. Full oh, Sheen, full Sheen ahead. Bishop Sheen says, there are angels near to you and guide you and protect you if you would but invoke them. It is not later that we think. It is a bigger world than we think. And I say that when we go to Mass. Do we realize that our angels are with us to worship God? We really, I I know I've said this before, the unemployment rate for guardian angels is way too high. Put them to work. Why do I say that? Because there's a great need for it. Now, before I get to the topic of the day, Lent is coming up, and this is really powerful. I got this from Father William Lawrence, FSSP. He's in charge of the North American Provincial. And he said this, and I think this relates because I just made a note that uh, they're pointing out that the suicide rate for teenagers is getting really, really high and it's getting worse and worse. And I believe that a lot of it has to deal with they don't know the meaning and purpose of life. And so it's so important that we understand that. And I wanted to give another uh, interesting note. Idaho, before I get to this, Idaho, the state of Idaho has a bill that will allow parents to sue over harmful books in the school libraries called accountability. I wish California had that. All the crummy things that are in there, and you know now we can sue, and now now there's accountability. So I I, rec- I really think that Idaho's doing a good job to, to monitor corruption in their state. And then another state I thought was interesting, Utah governor. He tells us Californians, right, stay in California, don't come here. Utah's uh, had a 15 percent growth in population this last year and most of the population is coming from California. But they don't want the Californians to bring their politics into Utah, and I understand that. Texas says the same thing, and Nevada saying the same thing. And um, I, I just wanted to let you be aware that that, again, I know that commercial about real estate for life says, hey, in California, they're going to be forcing our kids to do things that are against the parents' wishes, especially when it comes to uh, sexual issues. Uh, yeah, if you can get out of California, go to Life Site. Go to excuse me. Go to real estate for life, and tell them I I'm out of here. Let me get to Texas or Florida or other states that are more friendly. Family. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read this when we come back from the break because it's so powerful in regards to preparing for Lent, and uh, this is so important. Also, wanted to let you know it looks like we. Got a full house. Unless uh, some cancellations come in for the spiritual warfare conference, you can still register online for streaming, so that you can watch the conference anywhere in the world. You'll get a code for doing that. So I've I've been telling people to register, but now as of last night, we got a full house. So the best thing now to do is register online to get a link so that you can watch the conference. Now we do have Jesse Romero and Johnny Romero on the seventeenth of June for a men's conference here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. You're welcome to sign up for that at vmpr.org, and um, that would be a great thing to give your husband if it's your wife for a husband's for a Father's Day gift. And you can do that by going to vmpr.org. When we come back, we're going to cover uh, some interesting. Preparations for the Holy Season of Lent. And then we're going to talk about Cardinal McElroy and how his article that he put out just contradicts the Catholic faith. But here the Kansas City Archbishop is warning that this is a most serious and dangerous error. Now, that's not normally what, how it works in the Catholic Church, but because of the false teachings by certain prelates... They're going to have to be called out in charity for the good of the salvation of souls, the flock, us. And I thank the Archbishop for doing that. Stay with us, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Jesse and I like to say we're too blessed to be stressed, We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess will be back tomorrow. I'm going to read something to you that I think is so fundamental to the faith, and I think, you know, it's nice to be able to talk about all the crummy things, nice in the sense of correction, <clears throat> but it's always good to major on the fundamentals. And Father William Lawrence from S from the uh, FSSP uh, Fraternity of St. Peter group they uh have a newsletter and I thought well this was so beautiful he says the purpose of our existence and this is why the young people don't uh, don't know the meaning and purpose of life they're committing suicide people are they're out of control because they don't know why they're here so the purpose of our existence is to know love and serve god right out of the catechism but many people today ask why they either do not accept that this is the only way To be happy. Everybody wants happiness forever with God in heaven. Or they do not understand why the purpose of their existence is centered upon God. Good point. Since they have a very impoverished notion of him. Yeah, they think God is somebody, a big old man upstairs. Really? No. If, however, one understands who God is, it's impossible to ask the question why. That's true. Although only God can comprehend himself perfectly, we are able to have true knowledge of him. Remember, Moses asked God his name. And when God spoke to him from the burning bush, and God said to Moses, I am who am, he said, Thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, He who is hath sent me to you. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Many centuries later, folks, St. Paul spoke to the philosophers of Athens, for in him we live and move and are. That's right from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17. Christian philosophers have subsequently explained that only God is in existence himself. The existence of no creature, whether the creature be microscopic, Adam, or an unfathomable enormous galaxy can explain why that creature exists. Only the essence of God can explain his existence, and that is because his essence, are you ready? This is full philosophical, is a pure act of existing. He is he who is. Do you get it? I mean it's profound. What does the mean what does that mean for us? Let's be practical. It means that each of us is completely and totally dependent upon God at every moment. How many people realize that? Probably very few. Every moment for our own existence. Yeah, if God stopped thinking about you, you'd cease to exist. I cannot keep myself from lapsing into nothingness. You can't, no matter how hard I try. And neither can the atom or the galaxy. Every creature relies upon God at every instant for its very for its very being regardless of whether it is aware of the fact this is philosophy 101 folks but good philosophy breeds good theology furthermore since god is the creator of all things we also owe him for everything we have including the various powers that he's given us humans such as the power of speech have you thought of thanking Jesus for the power of speech? I did that this morning. I said, wow, I've got to do that more often. Or walking? I can still walk at my age. Or thinking? Wow, those are all blessings. In addition, God is the ultimate source of all power and action. It is not possible for a creature to act without God. See, that's the fact. A creature without free will can sin, right? You have free will. But evil or defect in sin comes from the lack of goodness in the act of sin for which the sinner is alone responsible. So the only value in saying yes to God is you have the freedom to say no. You get it? I think it's profound. Therefore, if I speak or walk or think or do anything else, the source of that act is God. Wow, living in the presence of God. That's the key to life. I cannot exist without God. I cannot think except he has given me that power and he ultimately moves that power to act truer words could have never spoken for in him we live and move and are since the source of all my acts is ultimately god it is only just that the ultimate end of them should be god it would be a disorder and injustice if we were not to the case even more radically, so that if generous father raised his son, made it possible for him to go through medical school, this is a great great analogy, and then bought him surgical instruments for him, only for the son to attempt to harm his father with the instruments in the course of his practice. Isn't that what we do with sin? Yeah. Why is there such unhappiness in the world today? All these suicides, Why? Because they are a very there's a very a variety of reasons, but perhaps the most one fundamental one is that people are not fulfilling their purpose in life. To know, love, and serve God. He nailed it. That's what we ought to tell people here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio to know, love and serve God. That's your key. It is simply not possible to be truly happy in this life if we are not fulfilling our purpose. To say nothing of the next life. Let us deeply impress the truth upon ourselves that we were created for God. He gives us everything. We can do nothing without him. And he truly deserves our love and service. A life not ultimately ordered towards God will not only be disordered, we can see that, and frustrated for the very reason that we are here, but it will only result in our unhappiness. Our good God desires our happiness more than we do. Do you believe that, folks? I hope so. We are richly blessed. May we respond to God's goodness with all the generous love that we are capable of. Father, thank you. Yes, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, (coughs) I'd be a billionaire. All right, we're going to move to our next topic. Before I get to the issue of Cardinal McCarrick, I, I, I want to just say that he is the Bishop of San Diego. He wrote an article back in January 24th in American Magazine. That's a Jesuit magazine. And I want to read directly where his error is because this isn't what the church teaches. And it's sad to have to say that about a cardinal. He said, the effect of tradition, and here's right from his article, that all sexual acts outside of marriage constitute objectively grave sin has been to focus the Christian moral life disproportionately upon sexual activity. Yet, in a pastoral practice, we have placed it at the very center of our structure of exclusion from the Eucharist. Uh, Cardinal, you're excluded to receive the Holy Communion if you're a fornicator, an adulterer. Is that a problem? Not... For two thousand years, it's called repent and believe in the gospel. See, he he said here. Here's what he's saying: This should change. No, it shouldn't, Bishop or Cardinal. Jesus Christ taught that. The churches, he says, the church's primary witness in the face of this bigotry. He calls it bigotry to call someone out for sin. Wow, A- against the LGBT communities must be one of embrace rather than distance or condemnation. And here it is, where his error is. The distinction between orientation and activity cannot be the principal focus for such pastoral embrace because it inevitably suggests dividing the LGBT community into those who refrain from sexual activity and those who do not. Rather, the dignity of every person as a child of God struggling in this world and the loving outreach of God must be the heart and soul, face and substance of the church's substance and pastoral action. With all due respect, Cardinal McElroy, you're dead wrong. Uh, The distinction, right in the catechism, between orientation and activity, just because I am am attracted to women, uh, I have to be chaste, okay? So I'm married to one woman. A single man has to be chaste. No... Fornication. A same-sex attraction person has to be chaste. Just because he is attracted to men, he's a man, he says no to himself, just like I say no to other women. Or a single man says no to other uh, women. You can't you, you can't do it because it's against the moral teachings of the church, the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I mean, thou shalt not fornicate. Thou shalt not... Commit some, you know, the the sodomy issue. Saint Paul covers that. This is offense that reaches to God. So when the cardinal makes the distinction that we shouldn't make that distinction between orientation and activity, the Catholic Church has been making that distinction for thousands of years regarding moral sexual moral sexual teachings. And so <clears throat> I was really glad to see that the Archbishop Joseph Newman of the Kansas City. He joined Archbishop Samuel Aquila. He joined bishops Joseph Strickland and others criticizing the cardinal and calling him out. And I think, you know, some people would say, oh, that's divisive. Well, you know, the truth is divisive. The gospel is divisive. Stop it. Because people who say that we can't tell people the truth about the gospel because we might offend them, you're missing the gospel. Jesus didn't put his finger up in the air for the wind blowing and saying, well, can I tell them about the Holy Eucharist or not? He said, no, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. My food is real drink. My blood is real drink. So here's here's what I'm saying. Many of the people left him at that point in John 6. Read the whole chapter. Did he say, oh, well, well, I, I changed my mind. Come on, you can come and receive Holy Communion. You don't have to believe. No. So when we come back from the break, I want to lay it out why the Archbishop Of Kansas City is calling him out along with Archbishop Samuel Aquila and it really shows me the church is divided and we have people who really have have been in positions of power in the church who do not agree and do not embrace the Catholic faith and that's a challenge for us lay people so we'll do that when we come back on the Terry and Jesse show again uh, the big problem is when you to make a distinction between orientation and activity. And the Catechism points that out, that it's not a sin to have a tendency to be having the same-sex attraction. It's acting on it. And the Cardinal, McElroy, man, he should have learned that in his first semester in seminary on, on sexual morality. But obviously, he doesn't know that And so out of charity, we need to tell him, no, bishop, this is a serious and dangerous error. That's what the bishop is saying. I happen to agree with these bishops. And we need more to correct the cardinal there because his responsibility as a cardinal to teach, govern, and sanctify is serious. And maybe we can get him to be convinced that he's wrong and he can repent of that because we want to see him get to heaven and when you're a cardinal you have a lot of responsibility for souls when we come back we're going to cover the archbishop's statements regarding cardinal mcelroy's comments as the most serious and dangerous error along with other bishops who've said the same thing stay with us family Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. One of our listeners says, heaven is exclusive. No fornicators, sodomites, or adulterers. Well, it is exclusive in this sense. You have to earn it. How do you earn it? By living a holy life. And so when people say, well, gee, I mean, we didn't get, well, hey, you know, actions have consequences. If you live a life of debauchery, then you you go to hell. I mean, that's as simple as that. That's how life is. Hey, before I get into uh, these issues, someone brought up, hey, well, you meant, you didn't mention that it's St. Valentine's Day today. And you're right. I went with the saints, but, you know, a good thing for the day, for the ordinary mass. But who was St. Valentine, and how did his feast day of February 14th come to be regarded as the day of romance? Don't forget to get those roses, uh, gentlemen. I won't. I'm getting mine for my honey. All right. Two Valentines are listed in the Roman uh, Martyrology for for February 14th the first saint valentine was a roman priest who reportedly was martyred on the way during the reign of emperor claudius the other saint valentine was a 3rd century bishop of Terni who was martyred in rome but these but those relics were sent back to his home see some claim that there has been a confusion And the two Valentines are really one. Oh, well, let's never find out until we're on the other side. But the reason the feast day has come to be associated with romance has nothing to do with these two saints. Yep, neither of whom had a clear connection to lovers or courtship. The association has to do with their belief, dating at least from the time of truncheur, that birds pair up. Add February 14th, isn't that interesting? This belief about biology became associated with the Feast of the Day, and eventually the thought of courtship, romance came to dominate. In any event, the Church certainly uh, does not teach that Valentine's Day should be celebrated in connection with romance. All right, I said it. You got it. All right. I wanted. Oh, you know what? Before I get one more thought, I wanted to throw this into people. Uh, You know, here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we try to help people who call us. And we had a situation where a young lady who's been listening to us, um, she has a a baby inside of her. She's going to have the baby in three weeks. She's going to give it up for adoption because she doesn't have a husband. And she wants a Catholic family to adopt the baby. And I thought we had it uh, adopted, but no, it's not the case. So if you know somebody, I'll give you my cell number who maybe not we're not able to have children as a husband and wife, and they want a child. It's a little baby boy who'll be born in three weeks. You can call me at six six one nine seven two seven eight seven two. That's my cell number, and I'd love to chat with you, and we'll put you in touch with the powers above if you're interested in adopting a little baby. So we helped her in these last eight months to get to a point where she's ready to deliver now. So that's the next step. So I just thought I'd mention that. All right. I mentioned the uh, Archbishop Joseph Newman of Kansas City issuing a statement uh, that similar to Archbishop Samuel Quill of Denver critiquing Cardinal Robert McElroy's recent call for radical inclusion a call that includes a change in the church teachings. See, this is what he didn't say, but it really is. Call him out. It's root, That's rooted in the New Testament. An inclusion from Holy Communion for those who have not repented of grave sins against the Sixth Commandment. He said it well. You see, these folks, unfortunately, I, I'm going to call him a modernist, whether he knows it or not. McElroy's a modernist because he's compromising these teachings now the effect of the tradition that all sexual acts outside of marriage constitute objectively grave sin has been the focus the church, Christian moral life disproportionately upon sexual activity the San Diego cardinal wrote which i just read to you see he says sexual activity while profound does not lie in the heart of the hierarchy of truths really yet in a pastoral practice we have placed it at the very center of the structure of inclusion from the Eucharist. He said this should change. This is the same cardinal when he was the bishop of San Diego that said abortion shouldn't be our number one topic at the bishop's conference. He got shouted down. So you can see where he's been consistently wrong. The archbishop says, I've been saddened that in the preparation for the Senate on synodality there has been a renewed effort by some of the church leaders <clears throat> to confuse us in our moral human sexuality. Archbishop Newman wrote in an archdiocesan newspaper column, said the German senator way away is a striking example. The leadership of the German bishops' conference has rejected corrections from Pope Francis. Yeah, they said, you know, no, we're not going to listen to you. Most troubling has been the statements by Cardinal Jean Hollerich of Luxembourg <clears throat> this is a sad statement. I mean, wow. He asserts that the church teachings relating to homosexuality is false because he believes the sociological, scientific foundation of this teaching is no longer correct. He continued, wow, can you imagine a cardinal saying this? Cardinal Hollerich's statements are particularly concerning because of the leadership role that he's been assigned as regulator of the general for the Senate on Senadality. The foxes are in charge of the chicken coop. Man, this is a serious error, this man is saying. And you know, he's the same bishop or cardinal who was in Chicago when we played the clip on the Terry and Jesse show months ago where he didn't think sodomy is an immoral thing. and He told one of the guys when he asked him on it, What do you think? Well, the Bible's not correct anymore. See, what he needs to do is retire, do us a favor. Because if you're not going to be faithful to the mandate that Jesus Christ taught to teach, govern, and sanctify, sit down. As lay people, we want the truth. We don't want your personal opinion. So the Kansas City prelate continued. He said, most recently, Cardinal Robert McElroy's article in the Jesuit Journal America Magazine has charged that the Catholic Church contains structural and cultural inclusions that alienate all too many from the Church or make their journey in the Catholic faith tremendously burdensome. Cardinal McElroy champions what he terms radical inclusion that embraces everyone into full communion with the Church and here's the key. On their terms. You see the error in that, folks? On Jesus' terms. No. <clears throat> it's on my terms. If I think I got the truth, I have the truth. It's moral relativism. He's, the Archbishop says, <clears throat> the mandate of Jesus given to his apostles to make disciples of all nations, nations is constructed to mean to enlarge the tent of the church by accommodating behaviors contrary to our Lord's own teaching. Garbage! Bishop of the Cardinal McElroy appears to believe that the Church for 2,000 years has exaggerated the importance of her sexual moral teachings and that radical inclusion supersedes doctrinal fidelity, especially in the area of the Church's moral teachings regarding human sexuality. Thank you, Archbishop, for pointing that out. The cardinal, unfortunately, is giving his personal opinion, which he should not be giving. He should be giving the mind of Christ as the archbishop is doing it. He says, my thought on this is that uh, this is a, uh, he says, a serious and danger dangerous error. Now, for a prelate to say that to another prelate it kind of reminds me of the Akita revelations, Our Lady of Akita in Japan saying that bishops would be going at each other soon. And boy, we got that right now. So he's a proponent of radical inclusion sites, our Lord's association with sinners. See, here's the problem. They don't read the Bible. Jesus calls sinners to repent. Have you ever heard the term repent and believe in the gospel? We're going to hear that at Lent. See, we got to have the fundamentals down. In the face of this harsh criticism of religious leaders, it's true that Jesus manifested great concern compassion and mercy to sinners in every instance jesus also calls those who wish to become his disciples to repentance you think and conversion are we to understand our lord's call for repentance to fostering a culture of inclusion that's a good question to ask a cardinal was the clear and challenging teaching of jesus regarding marriage are the consequences of lust intended to alienate or was it an invitation to liberation or freedom? Great question. You're not kidding. Was radical inclusion our Lord's highest priority? No. When many disciples walked away from the bread of life discourse, which I mentioned earlier on John 6. See how important he's asking great questions to the cardinal. He says, in listening to those on, the, uh, on this situation, we should include... Uh, include hearing the pain and suffering of adult children, of divorced young people raised without the presence of a loving father. Those addicted to a tender age to pornography and those emotional scarred by hookup culture, see how other people have sin, th- sinful things in their life? Do we just disregard it? No! We call them to repent and believe in the gospel. If we are truly listening to the Holy Spirit, the Archbishop says, I'm confident that it will not lead us to abandon our moral teaching in order to embrace, and I like what he says, a toxic spirit of an age of oppression by the dictatorship of moral relativism. Here, here, Archbishop. Thank you so much for saying all of the above. Now, when we come back, I want to do, are you ready for this, a little bit of an examination of conscience. Tips for making a good confession. Why do I say that? Because Lent is coming up and it's always good. Again, we encourage people to go to confession at least once a month. That's what St. John Paul II said. That's what Padre Pio said. I go a couple times a month. Why? Because I'm a sinner and I need repentance and I want to live in the state of grace. I can never know for sure if I'm living in that state but I ask God to show me and through a good an examination of conscience, it helps you realize your sinfulness. When we come back, I'm going to give you some short tips on making a good confession. You're listening to The Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888 526 2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jess will be back tomorrow. I like to end the show on tips for making a good confession. I got it from a book published by Sophia Press from Father Buckley's A Catechism for Making a Good Confession. If you want to get a copy of it, call 800 888 9344. That's Sophia Press. Uh, first question. This is so fundamental, but why do I keep fighting on the fundamentals? Because we need it, man. Our world is mixed up. What must I do to prepare myself for a good confession? Wow, what a great question. Well, you must examine your conscience and be sorry for your sins. And I'm going to cover, if I have time, a very clear thing about what your conscience is. So how do I examine my conscience? Great question. You examine your conscience by recalling the commandments of God. And the laws of the church, and by remembering your offenses against them since your last good confession, if one person goes to confession after this, it was worth it, in my opinion. So what is meant by sorrow for sin? Fundamental. By sorrow for sin, it's meant a, a distation for them and a firm purpose of not committing them again. What are the qualities of sorrow? Good question. True sorrow for sin is interior, supernatural, universal, and supreme. See, these answers are quick. What do you mean when you say that sorrow must be interior? Well, interior sorrow is that sorrow which is not merely a matter of words or external signs, but proceeds from the will. See, will it. It's, you know, you, you have free will. What do you mean when we say that sorrow is supernatural? Ooh. Well, we mean that sorrow for sin must be excited by the motives of faith, not by purely natural motives, and that is that sorrow is prompted by the grace of God. We call it, you know, actual graces. What do you mean when we say that sorrow is universal? Well, we mean that true sorrow extends to all one's mortal sins because of them, they cannot be forgiven without the others. Now, what do you mean when you say sorrow is supreme? Hmm, interesting. Well, what we mean is that the intellect, one recognizes the moral sin is the greatest of all evil. With the will, he turns from it more than from the other evil. St. Paul talks about this, you know. Why do I do these things that I don't want to do? You've got to will the good. St. Thomas Aquinas said, You want to be a saint? Will it? Yep. How do I begin my confession? Well, and some people are not going to let you do this, some priests, but kneeling down before the priest, you begin your confession with this formula Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been, and you tell them how long it's been since your last confession. And then you say, These are my sins. So then what must I do? Okay? then you must tell the priest of all your mortal sins. You must tell him the kind of mortal sins you have committed, the number of times you have committed it. And then, question, what is a mortal sin? Boy, so many people don't know what a mortal sin is. Well, a mortal sin, check this out, this is a good definition, is any thought, word, deed, which seriously offends the law of God to commit mortal sin. Here's the key, everybody. Three things are necessary. Number one. The offense must be serious. Number two, one must know it is serious. See the difference? And number three, he must give give full consent of the will to it. So a temptation is not sinful, right? If you reject it, what if the offense is not serious, but you think it is? Well, if you give full consent of your will to committing this offense, you're guilty of mortal sin. The same is true if you act while you are in doubt that the action you are about to perform is bad or good, morally or venial, sinful. By acting in any of these ways, you are willing to offend God gravely. See, you're not getting some of this stuff from the confessional. Some of the priests don't know even this. Another one, how can I find out what are the serious offenses against God and my neighbor? All right, my, friend, my good friend, Father Hardin, His catechism, the Catholic catechism, I have it on my shelf, or the St. Joseph Baltimore catechism will help you. Nevertheless, I will mention four serious offenses because they're so widespread. They are, number one, any use of the genitive faculty outside of marriage. So fornication, adultery, obviously. Missing mass on Sunday. Well, I didn't know that. Now you do. Number three, Contraception, you know, that's a serious sin, and and many people don't know that. Remember, I told that story about about Scott Hahn and the priest. My gosh! And number four, any distraction from makes okay. Any distraction, detraction, which makes known a serious hidden fault of a neighbor, thereby gravely injuring his reputation. Notice, I said, um, which makes is is a. Uh, Makes known the serious hidden fault. Hidden, that's the key. Does a man commit sin if he fails to confess all his mortal sins? We must distinguish between forgetting a mortal sin and concealing a mortal sin. If a man forgets a mortal sin, he does not commit a sin by making a bad confession. But Once he remembers it, however, he must confess this mortal sin the next time He goes to confession. If a man deliberately conceals a mortal sin because of shame, fear, or some other base motive, he commits a mortal sin of sacrilege. Not many priests will tell you that, but it's true. Is a sacrilegious confession a bad confession? (laughs) Oh, yes! Sacrilegious confession is called a bad confession. Well, what must I do if I make a bad confession? I've had to tell people this. They go, what do I need to do? Well, if you made a bad confession, you must confess to a priest that your sin you concealed as well as all the other mortal sins you've committed since your last good confession. These sins include the number of the bad confessions, the times you received Holy Communion, or any other sacrament of living is a mortal sin. Boy, I'm laying some heavy stuff on you, but you know what? We need to know this. If you have no mortal sins to confess, then what do you do? Good question. I get that a lot. You're obliged to confess only mortal sins which you have not yet been forgiven. To gain the grace of the sacrament, however, one who has mortal sins may confess some venial sins that have already been absolved. This is called devotional confession that St. John Paul II talks about. But if you have no mortal sins, you must confess all your venial sins. No, you're obliged to confess all mortal sins, but you are not obliged to confess all your venial sins. To gain the grace of the sacrament, however, you must confess at least some sin committed since baptism. What happens after you have told the priest of your sins? Well, he's going to counsel you, I hope, give you a penance, tell you to say some act, say the act of contrition absolve you. Should I go to confession frequently, though I have no moral sins to confess? Yes! Did you hear that? You're not going to hear that too many places. You should go to confession frequently, Because of the following benefits. One who confesses venial sins, or sins already absolved, receives an increase of sanctifying grace and some remission of temporal punishment. Did you hear that? Your purgatory time. Yay, team. Due to forgiveness of sin. So, uh, the remission of venial sin for the sacramental grace to avoid lapse in sin. So, going to confession is also going to give you the graces to say no to other sins. And then, of course, you know the act of contrition. Uh, This is important. But I also wanted to end, if I could, on what is a conscience. An informed conscience is the most secret core and sanctuary of a man. There he is alone with God, whose voice echoes into his depths. In the depths of his conscience, man detects a law which he does not impose upon himself, but which holds himself to obedience always summoning him to love good and avoid evil and the voice of conscience when necessarily speaks to his heart. Do this, shun this, for man has in his heart a law written by God. To obey it is the very dignity of man. According to it will be judged. And this is taken right from the Second Vatican Council, the Pastoral Constitution on the Church in the Modern World. So, what is the function of your conscience? God tells us not God tells us not to speak directly and immediately to everyone in his infeminal form. This would give rise to personal interpretations and judgments and error. So I hope this examination of conscience helps you to get to confession with lent coming up next week. Let's do it. <clears throat> because as I as if Jesse was here, I would be saying, Jesse, what state should we be living in? And he would say, the state of grace, how do we make sure that we stay in the, in the state of grace? Well, one of the reasons, one of the ways to do it is go to frequent confession, um, because we're all sinners, and nobody gets out alive, and, you know, nobody's the immaculate conception. You know, we all have sin in our lives, and the best way to get rid of that sin is to get to confession on a regular basis. I also want to remind you that if you know someone who's Looking to adopt a child, um, I already have some k- emails coming in already. Just let me know uh, because this baby's going to be born in three weeks—a little baby boy—and I could set that up and uh, for you. My cell number is six six one nine seven two seven eight seven two. I really would like to find a good home, Catholic home, for the baby. <clears throat> Mama is definitely wanting to give it a good home that she can't give with her circumstances. So these things do happen, and we reach out to our Catholic community and ask you for your, uh, in, in your insistence to help us in this case. My cell number is six six one, nine seven two seven eight seven two. So I just want to uh, again remind you that here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, our job is to get you to heaven, and sometimes we have to point out error even inside the church, because we have a you know. We have a moral obligation to tell people the truth. And we do it with charity and clarity. You notice I wasn't yelling at um, the Cardinal Robert McElroy. No, I love him like I love everybody else, but I love him enough to tell him the truth and that what he's teaching is not with what the church teaches. And with all due respect, I respect your office, but I respect your soul even more. I want to thank you again for joining us. Jesse will be back tomorrow here on Virgin most powerful radio and I want to thank all the cardinals and bishops who are speaking out uh, for the faith uh, Archbishop Aquila and also the Archbishop uh, Newman and, uh, in, in the Midwest all these men are speaking the truth and I appreciate that remember our lady said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices pray for our leaders in our church every Thursday night we do that here at our Sacred Heart Chapel from 8 to 7 to 9 for the Blessed Sacrament. So maybe make your own holy hour at home praying for our leaders in our church. As Our Lady said, souls are going to go to hell if we don't pray for them. Make sacrifices. We can participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ. That's a powerful message to give to the world. Thanks again for joining us and may God richly bless you and your family. And up next, Bishop Strickland.